0: host of the Joy of Membership podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. Before we jump in, I wanted to make sure that you know that I do a free live training most Thursdays at noon central. It's called the Care Points Difference. In this training, I share what care points are, why they matter, and how to construct them so that what you're doing becomes more naturally attractive to those you serve. And equally important, there are ways to set up those care points so that your membership becomes easier to run, which is critically important if you're running your organization with a lean team or with mostly volunteers. Providing a great member experience can seem like this thing that just automatically happens because you're of course committed to doing the right things for your members. People get busy, balls get dropped, committee chairs change, and sometimes the right things simply don't get done. Intentionally designing care points changes that, and the effect is magical. Your members will feel the difference, and you'll love the result. Faster joins, more enthusiastic engagement, and renewals that happen without hesitation. If you'd like to join me for the next training, you'll find the details and a sign-up form at joyofmembership.com carepoints. I'd love to see you there. And now, with no further ado, let's get on with this week's show. I am so pleased this week to introduce you to Denise Boyson from the Needlework Guild of Minnesota. If you have followed my work for any amount of time whatsoever, you know that I work with a huge variety of membership organizations. And it is actually quite rare that I ever work with one that inspires me so much that I think oh, I should give that a try. But this one got me. I actually went out and purchased a couple hundred dollars worth of embroidery thread, and I was Googling all sorts of needlework associated sites. I found myself especially attracted to the Art of needle painting. I actually don't even think I've shared that with Denise, but I've been playing with the art and I have found it to be a terrific way to decompress at the end of a crazy day or week. Denise retired from the National Institutes of Health Center for Scientific Review, where she served as a scientific review officer. Immediately prior to joining NIH, Denise held all sorts of scientific related jobs. She holds a BS in chemistry from North Dakota State University and a PhD in molecular biology and biochemistry from Washington University in St. Louis. So she is definitely a science nerd, if I could say so. Her love of fiber arts, though, dates from her youth when as a member of 4-H, she learned to sew. So you are going to find that this is a scientist who has found her way into art and into managing a member organization. So with no further ado, let's jump into this week's episode with Denise Voisin.
1: Denise, welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. I appreciate the invitation and it's always great to chat with you, Joy. So I'm pleased to be here. So let's start by you sharing who you are and who you help. I am just finishing a term as the president of the Needlework Guild of Minnesota, and we're an arts education organization. We have as a mission to provide programs that promote excellence in the field of needlework for people at all skill levels and all ages, all completely accessible to anyone.
0: Well, I know when I started working with you, gosh, like last year, maybe more than a year ago, I loved seeing all the designs of needlework. This is like not my grandmother's needlework that people do nowadays,
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, right. There's some really cutting edge stuff and there's uh, you know there's some uh, edgy stuff too out there. So yeah, yeah, it's it's being embraced more by young people, I think. What led you to be involved in needlework and in the guild? Well, when I got to be 40, I realized that I needed to have something else to do be- other than work because I have a PhD in biochemistry. I was in a track to be a faculty member and I realized I needed something to decompress with. So I fell back on something that I did, learned about when I was in an undergraduate, I went to work for a summer for a woman on Long Island, and she had this project she was working on, I'd never seen anything like it. And so I asked her what it was. And she said, it's needlepoint. So that was the early 70s. And I I did a couple pieces. And then of course, my career took over. And by, by the time I got to 40, I thought I need to get back to that, to get some sanity, touch base with reality, real people. Not scientists. And so I started doing it again. And I joined a guild because I wanted to learn how to do it well if I was going to do it. And then when, 10 years ago, when my husband and I moved to Minnesota, I realized that a great way to learn the community and to make new friends was to join the guild. So that's how I came to the Needlework Guild of Minnesota.
0: Can you tell us about the
1: work that the guild does for members? Like, What, what do you provide to members? Sure. We have seven or eight meetings a month for members. There are programs at these meetings. Generally, we teach each other. So we have people, like I said, ranging over all skill levels. And some of the people who have been around in the guild for a long time and who have really excellent skills will take it upon themselves to train others in in the guild. So that's one thing that we do. We have these monthly meetings where people can bring their problems. They can show us what they're working on. They can partake in the program. Another thing we do is we offer workshops for people, probably three or four workshops every year where we bring in professional teachers to teach. And then our signature event each year is a uh, retreat that we hold at a retreat center here in Minnesota. It's about an hour outside of the Twin Cities. And there are 130 people that attend. We bring in usually three professional teachers. It's a week-long event where people can take classes or just work on projects that they've already got started.
0: Tell us a little bit about what the past year has been like with the pandemic and not being able to gather people together in person. Because it sounds like that that's a pretty important part of what you've historically done with members.
1: Yeah, that's really true. You know, the social aspect of our organization is is really a big part of its existence. And very quickly, we realized that we needed to adopt Zoom like everybody else. So we had, I think, a couple weeks of canceled meetings, and then we got Zoom up and going. And that was an interesting challenge. As you can imagine, some of our membership is not tech savvy, I'll say that, <laughs> and not early adopters. So convincing people to, to get on Zoom and getting them up to speed so they could manage all the controls and, and do all of that, it took some time, but we got there. And the beauty of it is, you know, in Minnesota, winters are not our friend, <laughs> at least not needleworkers. They're not our friend. You know, if you're a skier, it's a different story. But not having to get out at night to go to a needlework meeting was a huge benefit for a lot of people. And the other benefit was we have members that are spread over at least 12 states. And those people now who are out of state could suddenly participate in our meetings in a way they'd never been able to before. So now we're faced with the dilemma. Do we keep some of our meetings on Zoom format? Do we let the group leaders decide on a month by month basis if they're going to be in person or by Zoom? So, yeah, it's been Uh a good thing. Yeah, isn't that interesting? You wouldn't
0: think that you just fast forward a year and you would be so accustomed to doing yeah. meetings virtually that now it's like, hmm, do we want to go back to in-person? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about membership growth. Like how do you find your members? What's working yeah. for you?
1: Yeah, as you know, we uh, built a new website last year. And that website has been huge for us. We've had a lot of people who have stumbled on it and joined. Other ways, at least pre-pandemic that we got new members was uh, through the state fair. We would always demonstrate at the Minnesota state fair, huge state fair. Everybody goes to it. <laughs> we would have a booth in the creative activities building and people would wander by. They'd sign up for information. So a lot of people find out about us that way. And then uh, the other part of it is word of mouth. Somebody joins. And they tell a friend about it. And that friend checks us out and says, yeah, that sounds good. I'll try that too. What advice would you give to another organization that is
0: looking to grow their membership and improve their member experience?
1: Yeah, that's always a tough question, right? I I think adopting technology is, is really important for people, especially educational organizations. This website, not only in terms of giving us visibility, but also in terms of meeting our mission, which is to provide education for for needleworkers. We're able to share documents on our website. You know, people will write up a little how-to sheet on how to do something. We'll post it on the website. The whole guild can see it that way. So, you know, we're starting to build a really great resource for our members. And I think Zoom is going to be a part of the future going forward. A lot of our members join just to go to retreat. They aren't in state necessarily. So they only have that once a year connection to us. But I think through Zoom and virtual meetings, if we keep going with those, we'll be able to reach out to those people on a more regular basis as well.
0: That's awesome. I love that you're leveraging technology, especially with your audience that typically wasn't tech savvy. So that's very cool.
1: Yeah. You know, it takes patience. You have to to help people along. You know, I've written my fair share of how-to sheets, (laughs) but, you know, they've been really sporting. So I'll give him a lot of credit.
0: So you are just wrapping up your term as president.
1: What lies ahead for you and for the Guild? I will move into the role of immediate past president. The big thing on our agenda, Guild-wise, is that our 50th anniversary is coming up in 2022. So I'll be chairing the committee to organize our celebrations for that. It's really a big deal for us. We're not affiliated with a national organization. There are a lot of guilds around the country that are, and they get some support from that national organization. Group, but we're completely independent. So the fact that we've survived for fifty years is truly remarkable. Especially when you think about how women's roles have changed in the last fifty years. In the nineteen seventies, when the guild was started, it was a changeover period. Women weren't working, but they had some little bit of disposable income and they had some time. So they signed up for this guild, and it was a big social thing. Then everything flipped when everybody went to work. Not as much time for handiwork, and and the finer things in life. You had to work. So it's the fact that we've stuck around this many years is really remarkable.
0: That's really interesting. I certainly hadn't thought about it from that perspective, but you're right. 50 years, there's been a lot of change for women. Right. 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 Amazing. And so, we do have
1: male members. I want to point out, we do have male members.
0: <laughs> of course, we don't want to leave out the men.
1: <laughs> That's right. Where can people connect to learn more about the Guild? I would direct them first to our website, which is www.needleworkguildmn.org. We will put that link in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming today
0: and sharing a little bit about the Guild's work and um, your role as its president and where you're headed in the future. Really appreciate you sharing your story. Yeah, well, thank you. Joy here, back with a few thoughts about this week's episode. While I certainly do not mean to minimize any of the significant challenges that membership organizations have faced during this era of the COVID 19 pandemic, there have been a few silver linings among the clouds. You've heard about a few of the silver linings on previous episodes. The primary one that has come up again and again is that organizations have gained an opportunity to really look hard at what is being delivered to members and how. The urgency created by the pandemic situation has meant that many boards have been able to break out of talking about doing something in the future and move into actually making it happen and making it happen rather quickly, I must say. Denise offered us a perfect example of an organization that was suddenly pushed forward into the adoption of new tech and in retrospect has benefited from doing so. So much that they're now looking at whether they just continue to offer sessions via Zoom and things like that. But you know, the most intriguing part of this interview for me was the way that Denise described that members are actively involved in sharing knowledge and teaching skills to other members. In short, members aren't merely consuming value that the guild delivers, but rather they're actually playing a key role in creating value. In my work, I've run across a number of organizations that do this well, but more often organizations have inadvertently created a culture of value consumption versus value contribution. So how can you encourage member contributed value? Here are a few ideas. First, be thoughtful about where you might be able to implement opportunities for members to share their experiences. Now, to do this, you want to go beyond the typical approach of just having people post in a discussion group. Lots of organizations do that, and it doesn't really feel super special or innovative. So you might want to think about formalizing member contributions into Peer sharing sessions, or fireside chats, or cornerstone blog posts, or collaborative white papers, or round tables that are focused on solving industry problems. Another idea that you might consider is to get comfortable with the concept of crowdstorming. Now, that's like brainstorming, but there are platforms now that allow you to collect ideas from your audience, and they call it crowdstorming. So these platforms allow you to gather ideas in mass from your members. You can frame up a challenge open channels for contribution and voting, and perhaps even offer prizes for contributions. The possibilities are really only limited by your imagination. So I encourage you to take a bit of time to reflect on what What might be possible for your specific organization and your specific situation? And before you say, that really isn't an option for us, just consider what perhaps seemed impossible before all of us endured a global pandemic together. Sometimes it's just a matter of being open to new approaches. Speaking of new approaches, I really have to give a hearty congratulations to the Danish American Heritage Society. DAS has completed a multifaceted implementation of the JourneyCare platform. JourneyCare is the platform that I have personally developed to make it easy for you to design and deliver exceptional member experiences as an early adopter they are truly serving as a shining star in what is possible over the past few weeks daz has launched a beautiful new website for their organization. They have also launched a coordinating site to handle the registrations for their 2021 conference. They have transitioned from being 100% on paper to having online joining and renewal processes with all of the associated automations. They were easily able to bundle their membership renewals and event registration for their conference they published 18 pre-recorded advanced viewing scholar presentations for their conference, and they hosted a full day of panel discussions and plenary sessions on Zoom, and even capped everything off with a virtual concert by a Danish violinist. And they did every single part of this, leveraging the Journey Care platform. Now, If you already have a lot of tech in place, this may not sound like a huge deal to you, but I'm telling you for an organization that has been completely on paper, this is a massive improvement in their member experience. They have modernized every single aspect about what they do. And it truly has been a remarkable experience to see it all come together via journey care in a way that feels like good things are happening for their members and for DAZ as an organization. I will admit to crying some happy tears when their conference closed out and it had all come together so beautifully. I seriously cannot wait to see what lies ahead for the remainder of 2021 and beyond. So I just know that some truly amazing things lie ahead. If you are curious about what journey care can do for your organization, I encourage you to book a private demonstration. And you could do that by going to joyofmembership.com slash software, you'll see a button there. And you can just book yourself right on into my calendar that wraps up this week's episode. I hope you found some value in the conversation that I had with Denise and it gets you thinking about what might be possible in your organization. I will see you back here next week, same time, same place, another great interview. So in the meantime, take care. Hey there, you made it all the way to the end. Bravo to you. I'm back in just one last time to remind you that there's a free one-page PDF available over at the website that shows you more than 20 ways that technology could be supporting your efforts to attract, engage, and retain more members. It's actually broken down into the stages of the member journey, so you'll know exactly where each piece fits, and everything that's on that one-pager can actually be automatically done for you with software that costs less than a $1,000 per year. So if you haven't already grabbed it, you can get your copy at joyofmembership.com slash tech, joyofmembership.com slash tech, T-E-C-H. Have a great week and I'll see you next time.